0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Chop. This is your host Gabe Tisness, and today we have a fresh new episode of FSU football, FSU soccer, and everything else in the week of Seminole sports. And joining me for the first time in a while is Courtney (laughs) Evans. We haven't been able to record together I think since maybe our first or second episode together. So it's definitely been um, an interesting past month for the both of us but I think we're both happy to be back yeah, with sure. another Florida State football victory to talk about. Courtney, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Gabe?
0: I'm doing good. I'm actually going to Orlando right after this, so <laughs> it's an interesting night. Um, with Black or not Black Friday, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about the right things in my head. Um, with Thanksgiving break coming up, uh, it's gonna be interesting to not be in Tallahassee, but still kind of keep in keep in touch with FSU sports because there's a lot to talk about.
1: Together. There's a so. lot to watch over the Thanksgiving break and yeah. then come back and have to see where it all is. And mm. who, knows, who knows what's going to happen in these next few
0: days. Yeah, lock and can change in a couple of weeks, yeah. as we've seen with the FSU football team, who started 0-4 back in August and September, and now they're sitting at 5-6. and 6. Potential
1: for a bowl game.
0: Potential for a ball game. I mean,
1: who? Would have, I wouldn't have thought this. Would you?
0: I mean, after the Notre Dame game, I think <laughs> a lot of people did, including myself. I was like, "There's no way this team does not make a bowl game." The way they looked against the top ten team at the time, top ten team still today. I think yeah. um, maybe maybe not at the end of the season, but uh, for all the ups and downs that Notre Dame and FSU have had, FSU football has managed to find themselves in a position where they can actually make a bowl game if they beat their rivals, UF, on Saturday after Thanksgiving. But before that, we have to talk about how this team got here because they beat rivals Miami at home in a crazy, crazy game. Courtney, yeah. how was that? Um, you were in the stands, right? I
1: was I was at that game. Yeah, I was uh, sitting around a bunch of Florida State fans, and then right to my right were all the uh, Miami fans. Mm. And they were just going back and forth all game long. And, you know... When FSU was up early on, going into the half every time, the UM fans started to say, like, oh, look at that, look at that. And Florida State people would be, like, scoreboard, and just the scoreboard. And then come out of the second half, and the Florida State fans are suddenly sitting down, and the UM fans mm. are standing up. And then by the end of the game, it was Florida State fans are happy, Miami fans were not too happy.
0: The duality of sports fans. Yeah. You love to see it. And, I mean, it was it was a game that I think – it had everyone riled up, it had everyone going through a roller coaster of emotions because FSU got off to an incredible lead, I believe it was twenty, 20 to, 7. to seven at some point yeah, in the first the half. half. Yep. And they had three turnovers in the first quarter, which was insane. It's not usual for teams to even have three turnovers in the first half. But a lot of Miami miscues and, and just self inflicted errors gave FSU a chance to just kind of have the game wrapped up by half, but FSU didn't take their chances. They weren't clinical enough to put the game away when they could. And yeah. Miami came back during the third quarter and, and, and almost the, the fourth quarter as well. And they, they, got, they got the lead back. And a lot of FSU fans just told themselves, this is just how it's going to go. This yeah. is how it's been going for the last couple of years. So. I bet a
1: vast majority of that stadium and the fan base are probably saying to themselves, oh no. This is Notre
0: Dame all over again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and also Syracuse. I mean, Syracuse, yeah, they, they started off pretty well and then not so well. <laughs> not I sc- mean,
1: even the game we're about to talk about, Boston College, yeah. same thing. It's It's the biggest weakness of Florida State's football program right now is the fact that they have not yet played a 100% complete mm-hmm. game, whether it's the first half they're slacking mm-hmm. or the second half they're slacking. And it almost seems like against Miami – the offense and defense were both on the same page for the first two quarters, and I don't think that's something the Florida State fans have seen a lot this season was offense and defense both playing well. It's typically one or the other, not both.
0: Yeah, it's either one or the other, not both, or it's... yeah Neither. neither. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, with with Jordan Travis coming back from the flu, it could have been the tally flu, which is even worse.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, he He had a heroic game that game. He gained my respect once again as he's done throughout the whole season, and... 4th and
1: 14. 4th and 14, fourth, that, it's, it's that's all, there's all, that's all, there all there that you gotta fan. say. <laughs>
0: History was made, and probably in the worst fashion, in my opinion, because I thought the game was four states for, for the taking yeah. for most of the time, and, and they just had to do it to themselves. They couldn't just win in a normal fashion. They had to make it all dramatic, which makes for great TV, but, I mean, for my heart, I, I had a lot of anxiety that night, and... You know, at least they, they won, so FSU yeah. fans had a, a great reason to celebrate their first time beating Miami in, what was it, like three years?
1: Four. Four if, years. If FSU lost, it was going to be the fifth straight mm-hmm. loss against Miami. Only reason I know that is because I'm a senior here, and we <laughs> haven't beat them since I've been here, so.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a junior, and I I've never seen them beat Miami yeah. either, so until this year, thankfully. But going for Miami this team they had a heroic victory at home and now they had to go on the road against Boston College not a bad team whatsoever but FSU has been in a position where they come off a victory and then they start to pump up their chests and not really think about what's actually going to happen on the field and in this case they actually came in to Boston College and they were ready to play they jump out to a I believe eight never was it 19 to 3 lead thanks to a safety <laughs> of all fall things
2: yeah
0: fsu fsu's defense has dramatically improved i would say um from the first half of the season which is interesting to say because i think before the season we we thought that the defense would be the one to carry the team um at least i did and throughout the season it's been up and down like the whole team has been but their defense is the the defense has just really been able to to shape up the identity of, of the team, um, they, they're usually the ones that will set the tone. The offense will, will do what it can throughout, throughout the game, but there, there will be very much very many dry spells where the defense has to, to continue to show up. Um, so I just got to give praise to, to Coach Adam Fuller because at one point I, we all thought he was going to be sac- the, the sacrificial lamb by yeah. the end of the season, not, not, not Mike Norvell because you can't fire a coach every year, although FSU has tried And, um, yeah, he's probably going to stay. Don't you agree, Courtney?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, looking at what he's done with this program, how do you get rid of him right now? You look at Florida State's losses, and they shouldn't have some of the losses they have for different reasons, whether it was coaching calls, Mm -hmm. miscommunication by the players, or just not running proper routes. But after 0-4 coming back to potentially being in the bowl game, I think it shows what these Florida State coaches are doing in order to improve the program. And I think the whole fan base realizes that this isn't a program that can just magically be 10 times better overnight. Mm -hmm. Just like anything else, it's going to take time to Mm -hmm. develop it. And I honestly, in my opinion, getting rid of anyone on the coaching staff right now would push Florida State further back. Mm -hmm. Because they've worked to get to where they are now. And Mm -hmm. they need to keep building off of this and not start over again.
0: Mm -hmm. So if Manny Diaz came in knocking the door because um, Miami has fired uh, <laughs> Miami's fired their athletic director, Blake James, after uh, a bad, bad result against Florida State. So Coach Manny Diaz might be looking for a job maybe as a defensive coordinator well, again. You know
1: with, where he can go? Where?
0: He can go to UF. Oh, okay, okay. We'll <laughs> talk about that in just a second because for some reason we are sitting – here on November the 21st thinking that Florida State football is the best program in the state <laughs> of Florida, which you could have told that to anybody in August or September, and they would have probably laughed in your face, but yeah. that's where we're at, and I mean, going back to Boston College, Jordan Travis had 251 yards passing, three touchdowns, and he didn't have his best completion percentage game with only 59, but he, alongside the rest of the Nulls, they didn't have a turnover, which is really impressive for such a young team, I think. It really shows how much they've matured, and speaking of maturity, this team has really improved on the penalty side as well, um, but unfortunately, they had to face one of the biggest obstacles I think any ACC team can face right now, which is the people
1: in the, the, people black, in the and black and white, and white stripes. Yeah.
0: And Yeah, that was
1: that was brutal, yeah. watching some of those calls.
0: They, they were back at it, and yeah, it, it almost cost FSU the game because that lead that we were talking about started to dwindle down during the second half. and yeah. I mean, FSU only scored seven in the second half, so you also have to put up some points to, to not let those things get to you. But
1: And there were some calls that FSU did actually commit the penalties. Mm-hmm. There was a delay of game later on in the game. And there was also uh, our center, like the center snapped the ball weirdly, and there was a snap infraction, like all these random little things that FSU just has to be more tidy with if they want to be contenders in college football.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the improvement that we've seen with this team tells you where they're going, right. but at the same time, there are still a lot of things to improve. Um, what are some of those things that that you think FSU needs to to consider in the, in the off season, obviously with the season kind mm-hmm. of wrapping up with only UF on the road this upcoming Saturday. What are some of the things that you think Mike Norvell, assuming he stays, um, will have to focus on for the next season?
1: So I've always said watching Florida State throughout the season, the offensive coordinator has gone to the run game Mm. a lot. Like we've seen it. Travis is running the ball a lot. Corbin's Mm. running. You have the short passes out toward. Like they have all these different weapons that they're using for the run game. And against Boston College, they came out. And Jordan Travis just started throwing the ball mm-hmm. every which way, not just to the running backs. He was even targeting his tight end, McDonald, from very early on, and that's not something Florida State fans have seen mm-hmm. from him a lot this season. So I think getting your wide receivers up to that standpoint where you can rely on them to make those mm-hmm. plays. Um, they've dropped so many balls this season that some of them have been Travis's fault. Other ones, it's it hits the palm of their hands and suddenly it's on the ground. and. People are just like, how, how did that happen? Mm. So I would say the biggest thing on the offensive side is continuing to make that chemistry, whether it's Travis or another quarterback, mm-hmm. um, with the wide receivers, because you cannot rely on just running the ball
2: mm-hmm.
1: 100 yards up the field every single drive. It's just it's just not realistic, especially when defenses look at our team and they say, oh, Florida State runs the ball a lot. Let's, mm-hmm. just, let's just like not play the coverage them and let's just run after them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um And I think on the defensive side, they're going to be losing a lot of their big players, so it's just a matter of making sure they have the shoes, the, not the shoes, the people <laughs> the people to right, right, right. take over those positions um, and just Norvell needs to keep getting in the the guy's head that they are Florida State football and they have the potential mm-hmm. to be a top competitor, it's just whether or not they want to do it
0: yeah and obviously Jermaine Johnson leaving is going to be probably FSU's Mm -hmm. biggest loss but also players like Keir Thomas the second he is uh, a starter for the whole season who has actually produced pretty well for FSU they've they've produced uh, their highest total of sacks in a couple years and um, overall the the defensive line has I think has easily been the the forte of this whole team Mm -hmm. as much as the run game has been uh, useful for them they've They've had many games, including the last couple, where I don't think they've shown uh, their true potential. Treshawn Ward had four carries for 25 yards, and Jay Sean Corbin had 13 for 62, which makes up for a pretty decent average. But I think, like you said, Courtney, Tr- Jordan Travis finally kind of took over with the passing game. Yeah. Um, almost three
1: touchdowns. Yeah, I
0: mean,
1: we, we haven't seen that side of Travis. Mm-hmm. And as a Florida State fan, they're probably sitting there thinking, like,
0: what we thought Travis didn't have, does he actually mm-hmm. have it now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when, when we were talking about previous debacles uh, for FSC football, it's easy to forget the UNC game because yeah. UNC has not been the team that many expected before the season. But still, having Sam Howell and, and the rest of the crew there, I think they're still a pretty decent team. And for FSC to go on the road and beat them the way that they did, I thought that was probably their most complete game. Um, obviously, Boston College and Miami back-to-back wins. They, they mean a lot to this program. But, um, yeah, Jordan Travis, I think he 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 played pretty well against UNC. And, and that, once again, he showed it. Uh, he can do it on the air. And when we look back against, um, I forgot who they were, um, NC State, of course. <laughs> NC State, mm-hmm. where, where Jordan Travis wasn't there. You saw how this team looked so much different and how their run game was so inefficient, and that's because of Jordan Travis's, uh yeah. versatility. That's That's where this team has been able to thrive on. And assuming he comes back as a starter next year, They can actually build chemistry. They actually have a lot of tape where they can see where they can grow. And this is such a young team. So it it almost seems like there's no way other than up for this team going forward. Wouldn't you agree, Courtney?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And watching that game against Boston College on Saturday, any time the receiver dropped the ball, it wasn't because they weren't open and Travis had to squeeze it in there. It was either because Travis slightly over or under threw them or the receiver just had butterfingers and dropped the ball. Like, those, are, those are the things that in the offseason, Norvell can sit down and watch the film and be like, this this shouldn't be happening. Like If you guys mm-hmm. want to be the Florida State team that we used to be, these are the t- types of plays that will get us to that point. Um, I definitely think the past few weeks are promising for this program, and I wouldn't have said this three weeks ago, but I think that they have an opportunity to go into the swamp and walk away with a victory this
0: year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess we'll kind of get into predictions um, as we wrap up the the, the football part of the, the show. Courtney, there's no way I can sit here and look at the way FSC football has grown throughout the whole season and the way that UF has faltered, the way that
1: yeah.
0: Dan Mullen, their coach, has been fired today. I mean... FSU football has to come out with a victory, wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, and I also don't think there's any way that I don't experience a win against UF as a Florida State student. <laughs> um, I think it's a year that FSU football comes out on top of the three schools mm. in the state of Florida. Well, at least we can only hope so. Mm-hmm. So my prediction is an FSU win over UF with uh, FSU winning by 11, 31-20.
0: 31-22 scores. We yeah. haven't seen this team beat anybody by two scores since UNC, which is really funny because, like I said, Boston College, Miami, two teams that they it seemed like they were on the on the way to being maybe even blown out at one point during the game. But mm-hmm. things just seem to always go wrong for FSU football at one point during the game. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the spread will be, but I think FSU will cover and they will win. And I'm going to go with 34-27. Um, UF being at home I don't even know if it if it matters that much especially on Thanksgiving break I feel like a lot of people are yeah. not going to want to turn out and
1: this is the one game where Florida State fans travel to. yeah they travel you know, I think I think it's fair to say at every FSU UF game it's like a 50-50 crowd mm-hmm. only the only real home field advantage is the field itself not yeah. not necessarily the crowd that's there
0: yeah I have a lot of friends that uh, have been like hey are you going to the game and, yeah. I, I don't have anything to do in Gainesville, uh, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing over there is uh, of my desire. But, um, yeah, I think FSU football has a lot to to rejoice over in the present and almost looking ahead as well. I mean, Travis Hunter was at the Miami game. Yeah. Um, he was posting on social media about uh, how much joy he had watching the game. And I
1: believe A.J. Duffy was there as well. Yeah, a lot of recruits. He posting all over Twitter videos saying mm-hmm. his place is electric.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, showing the loyalty they have for the program. Hopefully it carries over in the offseason. But that's about it we have for FSU football because there's another good FSU football (laughs) program, but not the football you were accustomed to hearing, but women's soccer. Um, They just won against a really good Pepperdine team at home, 1-0, after demolishing them 5-1, or demolishing SMU, my bad, 5-1, and now they move on to the Elite Eight against Michigan on Black Friday, which I sadly will not be at home. I sadly will not be in Tallahassee for that. Um, I don't think you will be either, Courtney. But I you went I to was. yeah, you went to the SMU game, right?
1: Yeah, I was at that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that game was quite the atmosphere. You know, it was. It's interesting. All season long, you've seen the student, the students here at Florida State support that team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but with. It being an awkward time right now, where everyone's going home for Thanksgiving, this game was on Friday, and it was mostly older people in the crowd. Like there were not, there were not that many students. I don't know about the mm-hmm. game you were at today, but I realized the the student fan base was significantly less than mm-hmm. in the past. So, watching a team that's relied on what those fans brings them, I was I was a little bit nervous for how those players would respond. But mm-hmm. obviously, they didn't struggle with it putting putting on a show for the, all the fans in attendance. Um, once again, Florida State just absolutely controlled that game. There was very few opportunities for SMU. Um, they were very quick. Once they turned the ball over and SMU had possession, they just buckled down and got the ball right back. Mm-hmm. They scored every which way you can imagine. <laughs> like, Just think about all the goals you've seen in soccer, and that's basically what Florida State did <laughs> on Friday against them. They Gabby Carl with her awesome shot outside, the box and they had mm. their aggressiveness inside the box. Yuji's out off a free kick from right outside the box, just straight into the net. Um, the only goal FSU gave up was a penalty kick, and I mean, it goes every which way every time a penalty called, whether it was or wasn't one. So uh, the referees made the call ultimately, and it was one. And um, the SMU player, Lindsay Whitmore, that put the ball in the top right corner in her post game conference, she even said how. SMU has been practicing penalty kicks um, because they know at this point in the tournament, penalty kicks, as FSU knows very well, <laughs> it's a make or break a deal. Mm-hmm. So she walked up there knowing where she was going to go, and she was 21 for 21 in practice. Mm. So she just nailed it right in. That's a pretty in, good ratio. Yeah. And the FSU goalie just didn't didn't even really have a chance to stop it. Um, upsetting for her because obviously she would have loved that shutout. But yeah, it was... It was a good win for the Seminoles, I would say. And I, I talked to a few of them after the game. and They seemed pretty confident about where they are. And Coach Krikorian thinks, like, he's proud of his team. Like, I asked him about um, the fact that they scored in so many different ways and they had five different players score goals. And he goes, it just shows the versatility of this team and mm-hmm. how much we have to bring. And then on the flip side, SMU's head coach basically straight up said that the Florida State soccer program is the epitome epitome of college soccer, and they just had way too much for SMU to handle. And I think that just kind of summarizes the whole season of what we've seen from this Florida State soccer program. It's, it's every which way they're playing well. And I think mm-hmm. um, the other crazy part is it's not just the offense that's finding the back of the net. Mm -hmm. after the game against smu i think the defensive back line they were up to 21 career goals combined
0: that's crazy with
1: 25 assists on top of that Mm -hmm. so it really is a true 11 player game Mm -hmm. out there for them it's not just the front three and the midfielders Mm
0: -hmm.
1: bringing the offensive side to the game
0: yeah i mean coach Record has done a lot in his time in tallahassee and it's it's paying dividends right now as it has in the past, um, but it just it's just such a statement for, for the the twenty seventeen and the twenty eighteen freshman class. Yeah, um, they're just such a remarkable group of players, and I'm gonna miss them. I'm gonna miss them because they bring everything they have onto the field each time that they get to play, and even as a neutral fan, I would just be so happy to watch them play because yeah. they play the right way. They play as a team. Um, there's so many incredible players like Jenna Naiswanger and uh, Jui Zhao and, and the list goes on, but none of them ever seem like they're, they want to be the spotlight players, which is something that I think um, comes down to the coaching, comes down to mm-hmm. Coach Krikoian establishing the right culture. Um, and we can talk about tactics and all that, but I think that's what um, some of the coaches from other teams seem to really get um, impressed by whenever they, they come today. It was uh, Coach Tim from Pepperdine who, once again, was singing their praises, saying that. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way that somebody in the opposing team can, can seem to get riled up and, and angry at this team because yeah. they're so nice. They, they have a lot of class to them, and um, they, they, they're all always on the same page, um, which is crazy because they have so many good players. So you have to almost, like, build this insane rotation where the point where everyone seems to be playing together and, and gaining chemistry throughout mm-hmm. the whole season. That's exactly what Mark Krikorian has done and is the reason why FSU seems to be on their way to another College Cup final. Um, that's not here for them to to be talking about. For us, it's obviously easy to, to kind of see the path in front of them. And like I said, they're, they're on to the Elite Eight against Michigan on Friday. And speaking of, of you know... The, the playoffs. I probably should talk about the game that happened today because they beat Pepperdine 1-0 with a Jody Brown goal in the fifth minute of the game. Just an incredible start to them. Um, Isn't
1: that her third goal in third the NCAA goal. tournament? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that Jody Brown is now fighting the back of the net so much for these Seminoles because you look at what she's been doing all season and she's been the one that's putting the through balls through and just setting up her teammates to score for the Seminoles and... All of a sudden, here she is leading her team through the first three rounds of the biggest stage there is for this team.
0: Yeah, Jody Brennan is a player that has been so key for them this year because she is easily the player that can take the top off the soccer pitch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, she's easily the most fast the, the most fast she's easily the fastest player on probably either side of the field um, most of the time. Yeah, but she's also a player that has been really good for them on the defensive side of the ball. Um, she just has a really good work ethic and her finishing has improved her, her, her playmaking ability is pretty underrated compared to, you know, some of the other players on the team. Like you have some elite tacticians like Jui Zhao and Jen and I is longer, but then you have players like Jody Brown who can also, you know, square the ball when they need to. But for that, for, for, for Jody Brown to finally be able to, cement herself in the, in, the, in the starting 11 and in the, the, the front three, because Marco Corn has also used her in different roles before, but right. for her to be that kind of right winger, um, I think it is, it's, it's helping FSU a lot because it adds a lot more clarity with Beata Olsen being the, the the number nine uh, striker. Um, you have two really good players in the front three, and then you can plug in whoever you want almost um, from this really deep team but that was the only goal that FSU managed to score in 90 minutes, which is something that in a way concerns me because I've seen this tell before. I saw them last year in the playoffs, and they had a lot of matchups where they they didn't manage to to score enough goals. Mm-hmm. They didn't seem to to be, be able to turn that possession that they, they, they worked so hard to generate uh, into something because it doesn't really matter how much possession you have if you don't end up scoring. Um, and in a way, their possession is is their defense. Um, as good as their defense is, and it is really good. It is probably one of the best in the nation. But their possession is, I think, uh, one of the ways that they they also protect themselves. And the way that they were able to just take advantage of Pepperdine. At Pepperdine, went man to man after some mid game adjustments. According to Coach Tim from Pepperdine, he said that they switched to a three four two one, which is not something they had done the whole season. They had played mm-hmm. mostly a four four two diamond. Um, and so for them to switch to a back three for the first time, the whole season, it was really impressive, um, as a neutral fan, <laughs> I would call myself a neutral fan, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think FSC soccer, once again, they, they don't really show anything that you haven't seen before, but every time that you watch them, you, you just have to leave the building in awe because of yeah. their excellence. I mean, what else, what else can you say about this team, Courtney? It-
1: it's impressive to watch them, like you just said. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the Pepperdine coach said it, but the SMU coach, after he played this program, he, he said he wants Florida State to win it all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And to just lose against a team 5-1, to, to sit down <laughs> in a chair in front of a bunch of sports reporters and say, I want this program to win. Like I think that just says all there is to say about this Florida State program and the work that Krikorian and everyone has put into it to make these players love it so much, to make the fans love it so much, to make them be this successful, it's there's no words for it, in mm-hmm. all honesty. Like it's, it's very impressive what he's done with this program.
0: Yeah, and if I were to pinpoint another player um, from this game that happened today um, in Tallahassee, it'd have to be Lauren Flynn, the sophomore defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came in actually in the NCAA tournament last year when – uh, Malia Berkeley, the the senior for FSU, graduated and moved to France to greener pastures. Uh, she came in in the playoffs and she did a really good job for a freshman, um, even for any player really. I mean, stepping into the FSU backline like that is it's an incredible achievement. And so this whole year, it's been her and um, I I always forget her name, Emily Madrill, yes. <laughs> the senior, the the ACC defender of the of the season. Um, them two have been going at it the whole the whole year and and they've been incredible to watch but Lauren Flynn I think today really showed her her progression as a ball carrier and as a passer because like I said they were playing man-to-man and if they weren't going to allow Jalen Howell to control the ball through the middle of the field they had to go somewhere else and Lauren Flynn managed time and time again to to take care of the ball and not turn it over and to actually play some progressive balls that um actually kick-started the FSU offense um which, you know, it tells you a lot. When the, when the center back and the goalkeeper as involved as they were today, it really shows you how comfortable they are with letting every single player on their team take care of the ball. And they really do tre- treasure it like any possession-based team would. Um, so going forward, I mean, every team I think will be a challenge, but FSU has seen it all. They are as experienced as they get, and they somehow are still as hungry as, as a team can be. They definitely want that redemption. And next Friday will be the next challenge for them with Michigan. Do you have any any concerns, Courtney, over, over the Wolverines coming into Tallahassee?
1: It's hard to have a concern with the Florida State team. I mean, I had concerns for them with Pepperdine. You know, Pepperdine was very well-rounded. I'm sure you saw it today. They're a well-rounded team. And mm-hmm. at this point, that's going to be what Florida State's going to face from here on out. So in all honesty, I think the concern... For a Florida State soccer fan from here on out is can Florida State execute enough to win the games? we don't we don't know what's going to happen and who's going to make it further in the tournament and um, this FSU team just needs to be ready for whatever mm-hmm. I mean last season what they had three games in a row with the penalty kicks mm-hmm. they obviously don't want that to happen again so they just need to find a way watch the film trust their teammates and things like that just to Avoid those points, and just one one more interesting thought between the last two games Christina Lynch, she played 41 minutes against SMU, Mm -hmm. but only 13 against Pepperdine. Mm -hmm. I think that just goes to show that Krikorian really doesn't have his set 11. Every single game, it varies. I mean, there's plenty of people that played. 90 minutes against Pepperdine, but they didn't necessarily play 90 minutes against SMU. Mm -hmm. So I think as the tournament goes on, Florida State fans can expect to see a variety of playing time from everyone on this roster Um, because that's that's what makes this Florida State program so good is there's just so much to them that teams just don't know which side of the Florida State soccer team you're going to see on that field that day.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we already talked about it, but this this FSC football, uh, soccer team, um, they <laughs> I mean, technically
1: footballs. Not they around. they are
0: technically a football team, but <laughs> um, no, I mean th- this team has grown a lot from last year, in, in terms of how they can beat teams, um, we we saw it against SMU in the ways that they can score, but also in the ways that they can actually just come out with a result. Um, this this game, they only had, I believe, six substitutes, which doesn't seem like few. But compared to other games, uh, usually FSC will, will, will kind of try to get in as many players as they can. And it, it, to me, it seemed like this was the game where, where Mark kind of said, hey, we're going to get in whoever we can actually use, um, which tells you like how good Pepperdine is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but players like Christine Lynch, only 13 minutes. And then you see Maria Legolas, she played 25 minutes, which is pretty decent, but still. Um, and
1: you have- Five that played the full ninety
0: minutes. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Howell looked pretty tired to me, which I'm sure it's not the first nor the last. And the Tallahassee Heat was crazy for those that weren't attending the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was no joke, especially for it to be a, a November twenty first uh, game. You would expect a lot more uh, cooler temperatures, but yeah, I, I think this team is kind of starting to to limit who they can actually use more and more. With these tougher games, and maybe it was a case of hey, these are the players that will actually help us against Pepperdine. Maybe Christine Lynch um, will actually be useful against other teams, but I think we're we're starting to see FSU kind of gear up for the final run, the last yeah. stance, if you will, for some of these players. So I I'm all for you know seeing players like Jui Zhao get as many minutes as we can because they're not gonna be here next year. Right. So I I definitely want to see as much as I can from them, and um, I think. This is a team that, that knows what they have to do. So it's just a matter of executing uh, when it matters most.
1: Yeah, and I think another reason that we saw so many of the starters play the full time and have higher minutes than normal has a lot to do with the fact that Florida State doesn't have another game till Friday.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But whereas you look at between SMU and Pepperdine, they played Friday at 5 p.m. Yeah. In not even 48 hours, they were back on that field. hmm and Coach Cricorn even said it that, like, during the SMU game, he wanted fresh legs. Mm-hmm. He knew it was a short turnaround time. So once once Florida State had a comfortable lead, he felt comfortable making more substitutions than normal. So mm-hmm. um, I would expect, based on where this is going, he might tell the players, hey, listen, it's, it's do-or-die time now. Like, if we're not up, we're keeping our starters in because – they all have the same end goal in mind, and the one way to reach that is by playing your best soccer.
0: Yeah, I think to to wrap up this segment of the show, Pepperdine didn't have a, a single shot on target. They had four shots, most of them were blocked, um, and, and still we're sitting here is thinking, "Oh, Pepperdine had a really good game against FSU." That that kind of tells you like the whole the whole picture. FSU continues to be so dominant, um, but moving on to FSU basketball, just a little. Update on them, they beat Tulane 59-54, which I know wasn't uh, very amusing to you, Courtney. No. Beating them by five points, not even scoring 60, is not indicative of where you would expect this team to be, um, considering the amount of talent they still have. I mean, they they still have an excellent coach and and enough talent to to be able to beat teams like Tulane by more, but maybe it's a matter of chemistry. It's still early in the season. It's a young team. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a very young team, so I think losing a lot of their starters, the the program's just trying to redevelop. Mm-hmm. But with the recruits that came in and how highly Coach Hamilton was speaking about them and how excited they were to be here, I think Florida State fans were just expecting a little bit more from them in the beginning of the season. I mean, granted, the record's 2-1, and one, but they, they lost to U.S. Mm -hmm. No FSU fan wants to see us lose to UF in any sport. Um, They're in Jacksonville right now for the Jacksonville. I think it's called the Classic Tournament. I believe they're playing right now. That game should probably be close to done. Um, So, yeah, I guess after Thanksgiving break, we'll take a deeper look at the men's basketball team as they play a couple more games, and we really have the chance to... See whether or not we expect to run from them in March
0: or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's still a lot of time between um, the tournament and, and, and today. So I'm not panicking by any means, but um, it tells you that this team has a lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be as clear cut as some may have thought um, for them to compete for the ACC uh, title or even make some noise in, in March. Um, but that's about all we have, Courtney. I think. Um, there's a lot, of going, a lot going on in, in FSC sports, uh, which is a good thing because um, not everyone has the luxury of watching teams like FSC soccer.
1: A lot of home stuff. Yeah. We had our home soccer games, had the home women's basketball game today. I believe mm-hmm. we hosted a cross-country tournament this weekend. So yeah. There's a, there's a lot in Tallahassee that Florida State fans are excited to see
0: yeah Tallahassee not known for a lot of things but sports is something that they should be in everyone's mind so with that I thank you Courtney for being on the show and I thank all listeners for tuning in once again this is Talk and Chop uh, produced by WVFS Tallahassee and partnered with the Florida Flambeau thank you so much for tuning in and listening